Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. This week, Roger and I watched Season 2, Episode 3, Lady of the Lake. As always, we'll start off with a synopsis. We've got three major plot lines here, so these are a little longer than usual. Apologies. <clears throat> in Storybrooke, Henry and David grow closer in their efforts to get to Emma and Mary Margaret. And with a little push from Henry, Jefferson gets up the courage to reunite with his daughter, Grace. In the enchanted forest of the past, Snow is tricked by King George into drinking a potion that makes her barren. Before she can tell Charming, King George's men attack Charming's mother, Ruth, with a poison arrow. To save her, Snow, Charming, and Lancelot head to Lake Nostos for its magical waters that can save her. The lake is dried up, and the final drops of water don't revive Ruth. Her dying wish is to see Snow and Charming married. Lancelot performs the wedding and sneaks the actual drops into Snow's cup, breaking the curse. In the enchanted forest of the present, Mary, Margaret, and Emma are released from their cell to meet the camp's leader, who happens to be Lancelot. He lets them go to seek a way home, sending Mulan along with them. Aurora, with murderous intent, also tags along. After a run-in with an ogre, they make it to the castle where they hope to get the magic wardrobe working again. Before they do, Lancelot shows up, but Snow quickly discovers that he is in fact Cora. Emma burns the wardrobe to keep Cora from getting to Henry, but Cora comes back to collect the ashes. Okay, that was a long one. Roger, what did you think of this episode? Good episode. I don't think it's a great episode, but I like all of the different uh, stories. There are three stories, and it's going to get a little complicated to even talk about them because we're going to talk about Lancelot in the past Enchanted Forest and then Lancelot in the current Enchanted Forest. But he's not really Lancelot. He's not really Lancelot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there are definitely a lot of things. you got to be paying attention in this episode for sure. But I think it's a good episode. I, I enjoyed it. You? Uh, so much happens in this episode. The three main storylines, obviously. And then there's also a B-plot in Storybrooke, so... That's just a lot to pack into an episode. Uh, also really like that Emma discovers that she's not good at everything in this episode and that she has to trust other people. I think we might be able to call this episode when we shouldn't have listened to Emma. I think we're going to be able to call a lot of things when we shouldn't have listened to Emma. <laughs> uh, she also finally breaks down her walls when she talks to Mary Margaret. And I cried three times in this episode. Hey, can we start by talking about your synopsis? I Good word. Calling a woman barren. Man, that is just... I mean, that just felt rough. It's an accurate word. It is, but it's just such a terrible way to hear someone described. I was also, I was going to say, make it so that Snow can't have children, but uh, I was trying to shorten the number of words. <laughs> I also think Baron really hits you in the feels. It's a good word to use there. Yeah, there's a conversation in this episode that really hits me in the feels in in that Baron arena. Yeah, uh, one of our tracking things, you're going to be shocked that I have a number for. Okay. Just FYI, I'll get to that at the end. Who do you want to start with? Oh my gosh. Why don't we start with Storybrooke? It's the shortest sure. it's the shortest plot area. Uh so we start off with David and Henry sort of bonding, which is kind of cute. Uh and David learns for the first time that you gotta pay attention to what Henry's doing because he never listens to you. As I said, <laughs> Charming comes from a time in which kids just did what their parents tell them to, right? Like, if his mother had told young Charming to do something, he would have just done it and not think about questioning it. Henry, on the other hand, is a grown man trapped in a 10 or 11-year-old's body and just is going to do whatever the hell he wants. So he, the best part, too, is that David's just like, well, I did my job. I told him to go to school. I'm going to go walk off and do my day. And Henry turns around and is like, sucker, and just keeps <laughs> running. And he even has, like, if you notice, like, the actor, he kind of has, like, a little giggle on his face and he's running away because he's like, I can't believe this was so easy. Um, I think the one that actually was actually a little bit more painful is him deceiving Regina. Oh, because so Regina painful. was so happy to like, oh, you wanted to talk to me and meet me up at lunch, and like you get what he was doing, but it was like that was actually, in my opinion, one of the more cruel things that Henry did because he tugged on his mom's emotional heartstrings, knowing that it would work to get her to sneak out, and then of course, then she realizes that she's been played. Like that has to. Suck. I don't think we see Regina again. Actually, no, we don't. And I actually. Very limited screen time for Regina in this episode, but she does two right things in this episode. They asked her to leave her office, and she's actually packing it up. So she's really trying to keep her promise to Henry about redeeming herself. And when 
he doesn't show up for lunch. She calls David and asks for his help because she knows that Henry will be upset if she tries to go after him. Also, and this is going to be a point I want to labor on later, the emotion that she does a good job of displaying in her face when she's so overjoyed to hear from Henry. Oh, great job. So good. I mean, it almost made me cry. It was so good. It I'm was not one of didn't. the three times. I don't think it was. Uh, let me let me just it, check my notes. But it was sure. heartwarming. Like you definitely could tell that she was overjoyed to hear from Henry because I'm assuming she hadn't really talked to him much. Not one of the times I cried. Okay. There were a couple um, almost though. Another one from Storybrooke is the "Have you seen my Papa posters?" My God. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. It's just like a hand drawing yeah. of of Jefferson. <laughs> I so. I'm kind of done with the whole Henry B plot unless you want to talk about it more. I feel like you covered most of it. Oh, no. I have a couple of Henry okay. things, actually. Just one more. Um, I love that Henry figures out how to get into the vault. Like, he didn't know where it was, but then he figures it out. And both Emma and Graham tried to get into that vault. And Graham was really motivated to get in there. He, he, he thought his heart was inside. He was also insane. Sure. But Henry just like instantly is like, oh, yeah, there's the marks on the floor. We just move this and then go down here. Yep. Got it. Super smart kid. So I would say the difference between Henry in this situation and Emma and um, Graham is that Graham was losing his mind. Emma didn't believe, whereas Henry knew that something is down here and therefore was looking for the appropriate clues. I think had Emma actually been looking and not just thought Graham was nuts, she would have also noticed the same thing. That's true. Emma is many things, but she is a very good detective. She's perceptive, too. So Mm -hmm. I think it was just she was like, oh, you're just a crazy man going into a crypt. And then she decided in that episode she'd rather go beat up Regina anyway. So. That was my last, well, I guess Henry's pep talk to Jefferson also was very touching to me. And I also thought it was very appropriate. Mm -hmm. Because if anyone is going to be an expert on not hating your parents for being separated, it would be the boy who did not meet his mother for 28 years that he had to go find. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if that is what inspired Jefferson to finally get the courage to go. I think it was. To go see Grace. Grace, yep. I also, this is not talked about in the episode at all, but it's like sort of like a headcanon that I have, which I assume is true. But presumably Grace, or Paige, I think is her curse name, has just been living with her curse family, which is kind of sweet. Like they like woke up and realized that they were cursed and they're like, you're not our kid, but you can live here. I mean, you would have to be a pretty big monster to be like, oh yeah, you're not, that's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to adopt a kid, and then I had one of my own. Go away, non-my child. What kind of a monster would do that? <laughs> it's a very uh, fairy tale stepmother yes. situation. Uh-huh. Yeah. You you can stay, but you, you have to be the, the maid. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a Lady Charmaine. Lady Charmaine? Lady Charmaine. Lady Charmaine. Uh, yeah. Um, I also, I really like the ending kind of with... Uh, David and Henry. I always like their interactions, even from kind of the beginning when Emma sends them both on the way. Like, I just think there's something very endearing about those two, mostly because he really hasn't had a father figure ever in his life. So David's the closest that he's ever had, to my knowledge. Yeah. I mean, Graham wasn't really a dad. They were peers, very clearly, (laughs) since Graham went to him for help, and he was his therapist. But, like, David's, like, the first father figure he's had, and you can tell that he's, like, very excited to be with him. He's like, teach me how to fight a dragon in sword fight. So, like... You appreciate that. And also the ending with uh, George watching. I'm assuming he's awake now, so we don't have to call him whatever his fake name was. Spencer. God, that's such a... He really does look like a Spencer. Um, but the it reminds me of the scene when Charming and Snow are having the affair out in the open and Regina is watching on. It's kind of like a callback to that. Yeah. He's watching from the car from a distance. And a, and a good... What we were talking about with Regina earlier, that is very much something that old Regina would have done. Yeah. And she's, she's not... I mean, maybe she is upset about it, but we're not watching her plot things because I thought it was Regina in the car. I know. Because I was like, oh, (laughs) Regina's watching. But, like, not necessarily from Sinister, but just, like, I miss my son. Yeah. Whereas I think having George do it was definitely the right play because he's a bastard. I also really enjoy David and Henry time. And despite being a total badass, David also kind of exudes dad energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I just like him in any opportunity where he gets to be a dad. Especially an awkward dad with his daughter that's the same age as him. 
Yeah, he he is like um I feel like he would be all over dad jokes. Yeah. He absolutely lives for embarrassing his kids. Like it's it's like the classic nineteen fifties dad, you know, he's funny but he's good natured, like that that's absolutely who he would be. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna embarrass you in front of your dates, and I'm gonna wear corny shoes because I. And all, but he's also like, yeah, I'm also a prince, so you know, screw you, like yeah. do what I want. No, oh, agreed, agreed. I think that's all I have on Storybrooke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the one thing I want to talk about Storybrooke that I appreciate that wraith did some real damage, oh. and instead of just cleaning it up and ignoring that it never happened, there are real consequences. I like it when shows acknowledge that the things that happened in the past did happen, and that town looks torn up. Oh, yeah. Like, there's still cones everywhere. It's it's pretty intense. Well, and even, I mean, we didn't talk about this a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was last episode, when Charming finds Jefferson, but he's, like, upside down in a car <laughs> from the Wraith. Yeah. He's, like, living in that car, or is he no, just upside down? No, he was down? stuck. He, like, oh, couldn't get out. No, no, that's right. I wonder how long he was in there. I, who knows what time even is in this show? Maybe a day? Maybe two days? Or it could have just been, like, right after. Yeah. Actually, I think that was episode one. I think that's broken. Okay, yeah. All right, so that was, what, our Storybrooke. So then let's go... Well, let's go to George. How about that, since we already talked about him in Storybrooke. Let's talk about him in the Enchanted Forest of the Past. Okay. So he captures Snow White via Lancelot. And instead of just outright killing her, he takes it to a Regina level and just decides to be utterly cruel... And poisons her. George is very extra. I wrote, George is the worst in capital letters. <laughs> you know what I like about George? He is a villain to the core. Even though there are things about him that make you sympathize with what he's gone through, the man is a bastard. And you appreciate, like, this season, the absence of, like, a truly good villain, like the way that Regina was last year. If he'd have been the main villain for season two, it would have been outstanding. Because the man has is just ruthless, and he has no qualms about doing the most heinous shit you can think of, like poisoning a woman so that she cannot bear children. Yeah. First, he must know my pain. That's really bad. Somebody else does a similar thing than that, though. Yeah. So yeah, somebody has the same logic. Like, I suffered this way, now you have to suffer that way. He also, I think this is the second time he's mentioned his wife. One of the things that was odd, though, did he say that his wife intentionally drank a vial to stop her from being able to bear children? Oh, I don't think so. I think she was cursed by someone. I thought the curse was that she drank the vial. Maybe. Well, because I and the reason I bring that up is I was wondering, is that did she do that intentionally because she realized how bad of a person he was? he maybe he was not a bad person before all of this happened to him regina was not a bad person before all of this stuff happened that's to him. true but maybe he was maybe he was i don't know um he did seem to truly love her or i don't know about true love but he did seem to really love his wife yeah he, he says <laughs> i i think both could be true yeah i think you can be a truly awful person and still truly care about someone i have another theory which is maybe a little deep all right um I think that Rumpelstiltskin made her drink it. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> so you think Rumpel intentionally had the wife get poisoned so that he would need him for a deal to get the... Yeah, that actually seems right on the Yeah. Brand. And there's no Rumpelstiltskin in this episode, so we have to insert him in some way. So I... I don't actually think he would do that. That's that's pretty dark, even for Rumpelstiltskin, but if it directly helped him, yeah, I think he would do it. I don't... He wouldn't just do it for fun. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, there's no, there's no evidence of that. No. It's just a thought. It's just, like, the one thing that he seems to hesitate on is taking someone's child away mm-hmm. from them, and that's essentially what he would have been doing in that case, which, yeah, I could see him maybe thinking about it, but I think he would... With an infinite amount of time to plot, he'd probably go a different direction. But it's not a bad theory. Uh, you love Charming and his mother. Oh my god, I love Charming and his mother. Uh, yeah, no, they... There is just something endearing about watching someone in the Enchanted Forest actually have a good parent. It, it's like a leprechaun finding like gold at the end of the rainbow it just never seems to happen but she's the good parent in the she might be the only good parent in the enchanted forest yep i <laughs> that, that might be true i also 
she tells him, or he tells her to go into the cabin. If she had just stayed in there. Bolt the door and stay inside. Everything would have been fine if she had just stayed in there. But as a good parent, she wanted to try to help. Of course, she made it worse. But, (laughs) you know. Also, Charming just, like, instantly gets surrounded. Like, he hears them coming, but then somehow they surround him. But he's not worried, because as you say, he's an Avenger. That, when he, like, flips the knight over and then breaks his neck, that is dark. <laughs> Charming don't play. Remember, he kicked the troll off the bridge early. He does not really... So, this is one of the things I talk about, and I've said this, like, Charming is willing to kill, if necessary. Uh-huh. He's not really the, like, oh, we need to find a way to just subdue them. He's like... Nah, you're here to attack my mother. I'm breaking your neck. Killing someone that's actively attacking you is also different than killing an unarmed person. Some people would agree with you. I would be one. Some people (laughs) would say killing is always wrong. Um, But it's more so the fact that he doesn't even look concerned. He's outnumbered six to one. He's like, ah, so this is a fair fight. No, actually it's not because I'm going to whoop all of your asses. Easily. Do they even touch him? I mean, as we know, George's men are kind of inept, so I don't think they do. He doesn't yeah. get hurt at all. No. He's not even a little bit. The injured. only hurt is his mother taking you right. Which, what were you doing, woman? Yeah, and well, going around with poison arrows, jeez. Well, obviously they were there to shoot. Sure. They were probably trying to shoot Charming with a poison yeah. arrow. My guess is that they shot Charming, he steps out of the way, and then it hits the mother. That's actually also an extra dark level. For George here. Not only did he make Snow Baron, but he was also like, I'm also going to kill dude's mother. No, he didn't want to kill Charming, I don't think, because then he wouldn't feel the pain mm, of Snow being Baron. That's fair. No, that's fair. <laughs> he, he's a... When you talk about the list of, like, villains who will just go to next level stuff, cruelty. Like, I would describe him as just cruel. Yeah. That is who he is at his core. I desperately want to know what he's plotting now in Storybrooke. I also wish that we had gotten a true George backstory. Yeah, me too. Because some, like, evil is not born, it is made. Something must have made him this way, though I wonder if he was born this way. If he was just cruel. Well, and I wonder, too, because we learned a while ago that Cinderella's fairy godmother was also a patron to Mm -hmm. George's family. I wonder if they were trying to build up some sort of story here and then it didn't work out for, like, scheduling reasons or they came up with another idea or whatever. Um, Because they never really dive into what made George George. And it's shocking that they didn't. Yeah. Maybe we can do, like, a verbal audiobook of this when we finish our podcast. Uh, I see. The history of King George (laughs) from once upon a time. Fan fiction by Um, Chelsea and Roger. So, I'm going to make a little segue. Charming tells his mother to just stay in the house. If she had just listened, everything would have been fine. This isn't the only instance this episode where if you would have just listened to the person who knows what they're talking about, everything would have been fine. Oh, yeah. Emma doesn't listen at all. She's so fucking cocky in this episode. It's weird. Like, I mean, it's not that weird based on her real life experience. Like, she's good at using a gun and, like, you know, catching runaway people from bonds. People what, what, who are bond uh, jumpers. Yeah. Bail jump. Bail jumpers. Bail That's jumpers. the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but... She just is so sure that she knows exactly what to do in this situation. Even though she's, like, sitting at tables where they're feeding you Chimera. (laughs) (laughs) I, so I actually think this is good writing because this is actually how Emma has always been. It's just worked in her favor most of the time. Mm. In the real world, she gets away with being overly cocky. She rushes headfirst into situations. That's the only reason Sydney was able to trick her. Yeah. Is because she just believed what she wanted to believe and that she would figure it out if he was lying. Whereas, like, in this case, she's just outmatched because she has no understanding of what's going on in the Enchanted Forest. And then she comes in and, like, I don't know what the hell. She's like, I'm protecting you after the situation's already been clearly handled and have subdued. Like, did she think Mulan was attacking her mother? That's the only way I could see that that would have made sense is that she believed Mulan was there to protect the princess only. <laughs> yeah. It was stupid. As if Aurora could hurt Snow White. No, no, no. It, Mulan was trying to fight Snow White. That could be concerning. Sure, right. But yeah. Aurora was the one that attacked Snow White, so... Attacked uh, or like, I don't know what she was Ineptly tried to hurt Snow White. I don't know. I think I said earlier that like Sleeping Beauty is like my least favorite princess because she's known for nothing other than being a damsel in distress. Case and point. She is inept. I, I also don't understand why she's so convinced that Snow and Emma are responsible for Philip's death. 
She's just certain of it. If we're like, one thing we've learned about this show is that people will just believe whatever the <laughs> hell they want to believe. Do I even look like him? <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, something I, I also think is good writing um, for Emma in this episode we talk about Emma's emotional walls all the time. And as a person with some walls, uh, another another element of that is being unable to rely on others or believe that they might be able to help you. And Emma is completely unwilling to accept help from, like, anyone in this episode, even her mother, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, but we get to see her have to work through that. And, in fact, she gets saved by her mother from a terrifying ogre. Yeah, one of the more badass kills. She yeah, shoots right an ogre in the, in the eye. And then in the midst of she hasn't done that in like 30 years. Like this isn't someone who's been like actively practicing this. She's just like, and I like the way that she ridiculously yells at this ogre. Like, stay the hell away from my daughter. And then, you know, bam. I mean, she does it with a bow and arrow. But still, it was like, that's charming level badass. I'm not going to lie. Like those two in battle would have been fun to watch. I'd watch an entire season of the adventures of Prince Charming and Snow White fighting. Oh, yeah. They're the really others. good at it. Um, yeah. Also, Emma, the gun. Why? Like, you, you do realize that, like, shooting off a gun to people who don't know what a gun is doesn't actually intimidate them. It's just a loud noise that confuses them. Like, we're not in Storybrooke where everyone knows what a gun does. They don't even know what a gun is. So, like, all you've done is made a loud noise. Yeah. It's... Stupid. It's not a, it's not a good choice. And they did tell her that ogres hunt by sound. They, they did tell her that. This this is start where I started to find Emma annoying as a character. She's just unusually cocky. For I feel no like she learns some lessons in this episode. Sure, but it doesn't stop here. This isn't the last time this season we're going to talk about what the hell were you thinking this was dumb. You should have seen this coming a mile <laughs> away. Like Her alleged superpower is malfunctioning once again. Yeah, she, we do get some more Jennifer Morrison's arms in this episode, though. Good, yes, <laughs> we do get some more Jennifer Morrison's arms. We also get her not only seemingly um, unaware that Regina's mother's probably a monster, because, I don't know, if I had interacted with someone like Regina for a long time, I would have some questions about their parents. I wouldn't immediately trust them. And then on top of that, when Snow White, who is probably been proven to be a pretty good judge of character in the time that you've known her, recoils from this woman in fear, you probably should trust. Oh, but no, it's fine. We have we should hear her out. Like, you don't think this woman's probably the devil? I think she maybe just wanted to get more information, and she clearly doesn't understand how powerful really anyone magical is. I mean, when Korra appears in... When, when Lancelot transforms into Korra, the look on Emma's face is like, because, yeah, she's seen some magic, but not a ton. And she's just sort of like, whoa, what Look the fuck? <laughs> um, I think she just truly doesn't understand. But you're right. She should trust Snow White. She knows a lot of stuff. She's familiar with Korra. Something I also really appreciate about the situation is so separated from Regina. Snow understands how bad Korra really is and that she's actually the one to blame for what happened. I mean, not that not that Snow doesn't see Regina as responsible for sure. the things that have occurred, but she saw that like the real villain in that story was not herself, but Korra. Korra created the monster that Regina became. Yes. Uh, and I appreciate that she sees that. I mean, she's very astute. She picks up... You can tell that she doesn't fully trust Lancelot even though she yeah. knows him from the beginning, she won't tell him about the wardrobe. And then, and it's, and I, I thought it was maybe her being stupid or an inconsistency because when they're, she says at the table when they're talking to Lancelot, like, I'm afraid to tell you about it because Cora is near, she might hear. And then when her and Emma are walking away, Emma asks her about it and she tells her and they're still in the camp. And I was like, well, that was stupid if you think Cora can hear you. But it's not that. She, well, she didn't trust Lancelot. Uh, or maybe she, like, she just wasn't sure. I mean, there um, are multiple scenarios that could have been... Lancelot could have had his heart been stolen by Corrin was under her control, so she could be listening to it. That could have been a shapeshifter. She's aware of the other yeah. things that could be happening here. And then she very quickly picks up... She doesn't... She seems a little uh, suspicious of Lancelot when he shows up in the nursery when they're looking at the wardrobe. She's like, what are you doing here? And then he gets really interested in the wardrobe, and she's like why are you so interested in this wardrobe? And then when he says Henry's name, she's like, no. You only told, <laughs> told that name to one person. 
Yeah, yeah, yet another example of next time trust your mother. Even Cora is impressed that that Snow figures it out, which I feel like is a pretty big deal. Yeah, also, Regina has always been really good at one-liners. Cora's also pretty good at one-liners. Where's Lancelot? Oh, he's dead. I killed him a long time ago. Just so matter-of-factly and just an utter disregard, like, oh yeah, he, he's long since been dead. Um, her magic is purple. I know we've talked about the color of magic mm-hmm. before, which I believe is very similar to Regina's magic. Yes, Regina's, Regina's magic is usually purple. And isn't Rumpel's magic sometimes purple, sometimes scarlet? It's usually scarlet. But sometimes it is purple. Sometimes all magic is purple. I don't I don't know. I wish that they could be consistent because they clearly meant for it to be different colors, but then they don't always decide. And then you and I, I actually went back after we were having a text conversation once. Because you were like, what color was the magic when he like makes the book appear? It was pink. Uh, Magenta? <laughs> no, it was pink. It was like pink? straight up I don't pink. remember seeing pink as a color. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it was just unclear. Um, but maybe I, it was red, like the dress that I think is red and you think is pink. No, you think it's red. I know it's pink. There's a difference here. <laughs> when we have people on, we're going to have this question. Like, I see, I, we're going to do I this see. dress for It's every like the person. dress, the viral dress. Yes, the gold dress or whatever color other people think it is. I also loved Barbara Hershey is such a good actress. Yes. Yeah. And when she's trying to act like she cares about Snow at the very beginning when they wake her up, and it, it's like Barbara Hershey is intentionally being a bad actress. Oh, Snow, you're awake. I'm so relieved. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's so true. It, it's actually very similar. You know how, like, Regina has that very transparent lie um, when Catherine shows up for the first time, and it's like she's toying with them? It's the same way that Cora's like, oh, you're, I'm so relieved you're fine. And you're just like, bullshit. You know damn well you hate her. But it's just, and you like, you even see Emma like, oh, that's weird. Like, it's almost like she's having a little flashback and seeing that. She reminds me of the way that Rumple was in the first season. She's kind of always plotting methodically in the background. She's not a scene stealer the way that like Regina is, where it's like she just has that seething rage. But she's always scheming. She's always, she's, you know, she has the lines, right? Where she's just like, eh, I killed them. Don't really care. Like, it's, she's a good background villain you know and george i think is actually a very good like upfront villain because he's just cruel and evil i i wish we got more of the two of them working together because those two could do some real bad stuff That's together true cora is typically very calm which i think can be kind of terrifying well yeah because she's like almost like hannibal lecter in that, mm-hmm. in that she's a very calm like she's the opposite of regina Regina's very emotional and everything bubbles over to the surface and cora's always in the background just i got it under control and this background plotting, let's talk for a minute about how long Cora has been pretending to be both Lancelot and Cora. Because it's it's not just... When I first watched it, I thought that Cora only just appeared in the pit, like, to them. But everyone else knows that Cora is in the camp also, that she is in this pit. They have made this pit for Cora. Oh, yeah. So she, she is in the pit when people need to see her in the pit. And otherwise, she is masquerading as Lancelot. That's that's a big deal. I wonder how long a long time ago is to Korra. Like, did she kill... Did Lancelot come over in the curse and she killed him at the beginning? Like, when they all woke I would up? Assume, I would assume that she killed him when the curse was cursed. Like, when cast. The, when the curse was cast. Yeah, it, but they were all frozen for 28 years. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, she may have killed him long before then. So, so two weeks ago, she killed Lancelot. <laughs> no, I, I think she killed him a okay. long time before then. Well, had that's some plotting. I mean, yeah. I did say that she reminds me of our favorite chess player, so she's True. pretty good True. at plotting. And then she steals the ashes at the end. Yeah, that I thought was, and then it glowed. Mm-hmm. So that I thought was an interesting twist that she collects the sand. I'm not really sure what she's going to do with that yet, but still, again, she's got a plan. I mean, she told them what she wanted to do with it. She, she wants, wants to, to go to Storybrooke it. to get back to her daughter. We don't know if that's true, but that's what she said. Yeah. I, one thing I will say is I never understood her motivations for why she does the things she does. And I still don't. I, I think that she truly loves her daughter and that she wants to be with her, but she doesn't know... <laughs> How to love anyone. I don't actually think she loves Regina. She definitely loves power more than she loves Regina. That's for sure true. I think Rumpel loves power more than he loves almost everyone. I think Cora loves power. I don't truly think she loves anything else. I think that she wants... that. that, that okay, it's a definitely a twi- twisted kind of love. Because I think that she wants for Regina what she could never have. Yes. So... But she, she wants it for her own gain. She wants to live vicariously through Regina. Partially. I think that's p- 
partially true, but I, I, I also think she honestly wants Regina to be happy. She just doesn't understand that what she's doing is making that worse. I don't actually think she wants Regina to be happy. I, I think she does. I think you want her to want Regina. Oh, no, I, I do not want Cora to be redeemed. I just think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Despite no actions that will ever show to uh, back that up. Mm, I don't think that's true. But we can talk about that when it happens. Fair enough. If Honestly, I'll be shocked. From what I remember, I don't recall her ever doing anything that actually didn't benefit her. Um... I have more. I have a lot more stuff. I have a lot of notes. So there was one <laughs> line that I wanted to touch on that we talked about real quick because you brought it up, and it was when Lon says, "Do not confuse vengeance for justice." Mm-hmm. What was your point in that? Well, I think. I mean, maybe maybe you don't confuse it. <laughs> you just still want the vengeance. Uh, but I was trying to make a point that revenge is not the best way. It's it's not the way. This is not the way. This is not the way. <laughs> I think um, if you are going for justice, then vengeance is the wrong thing. If you're going for revenge, then vengeance is the right thing. Okay. I just... I don't think it will make you happy, Roger. I don't think it would make you Let's happy. Let's all be thankful that Roger doesn't have anyone to seek revenge against. Not that I'm going to admit on camera. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. Um, what do you got? Uh, I also... A couple... Aurora's line when Emma gives her the jacket and she says, what kind of corset is this? I just love that. It's very, it felt very fitting for her to say is like a nice juxtaposition of the Enchanted Forest and Storybrooke. And yeah, who would have seen a leather jacket before? Everything about Sleeping Beauty is annoying to me. Yeah. She's, they don't give her any characterization. It's really irritating. Which, in some ways, she works as a good contrast to Emma in that she's also kind of out of her element. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's, like, overly snippy. She She's almost... Um, we haven't run into her yet, but, like, how young... Oh, no, we have run into young Snow. She reminds me a lot of, like, if young Snow... Yeah, it's because she's a brat. Yes. Aurora is a brat. But Snow is ten. Yeah. <laughs> And presumably Princess Aurora is in her 20s or 30s, but she's like a child. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at Snow. I'm convinced of my belief. I'm going to go try to kill her. Like, are you a little girl? And I have no skills in which to do that. I'm going to put a knife behind you and get flipped over like a little weakling. Um, the line that she hits at um, Mulan with, who's going to lead us? You? Well, you're certainly not qualified to lead anyone, you stupid little brat. Like, I don't think you should be involved in this at all. That was also very interesting because... Yes, agreed. She's not qualified because she can't do anything. But, like, technically, she is qualified to do that. She is a princess, leads a kingdom. Uh, So is Mary Margaret. I know, but it didn't even occur to her to be like, I will lead because she has no leadership skills whatsoever. No, I actually think that is what she was saying. Oh. Who is going to lead us? You? I think she was implying that it's ridiculous to think that you would lead us because I'm the rightful Mm. leader. Which is absurd. It's absurd. She's... And I... They they do... They just... The writers just, like, don't give her anything, which is so frustrating. And they do try, throughout this season, we'll see more, of giving her opportunities to help. And she does help some. Mm -hmm. But they just don't, like, give her any characterization. It's so annoying. She, her characterization in Nessie is a damsel in distress who's going through some emotional issues. And that's about it. Yeah. She just, there's nothing, there's no depth to her. She's not interesting. I don't think the actress is particularly bad. Like, I don't know. No, I think she's a good actress. The character is just one note and boring to me. Yeah, they just really don't give her anything. If she were to have died at the end of this episode, I wouldn't have been like, I missed her. I'd be like, meh, nothing of value was lost. Yeah. Um, I have one, I ha- I want to talk about the Emma and Mary Margaret conversation. Oh yeah, let's get um, to that. Okay. And I do have some more Enchanted Forest of the past. Are you talking about well. the conversation where she finally admits what she's been very clearly not hiding? Yes. Okay. That. Uh, I think it, it was a painful moment for Snow and Emma to come into that room. Snow is really, I'm sorry, we're just completely using their names interchangeably at this point. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mary Margaret is uh, 
really sad to see this room that she never got to use. That has been destroyed as well. Totally destroyed. I mean, when she says, I was going to teach you to walk in here. I was going to teach you to talk. It's just really sad. Cry moment? Cry moment. Yep. Uh, I didn't... I mean, basically that whole scene kind of got to me. Um, but the the when I really started to cry is when Emma says, you gave up everything for me. Because I think... It was a real moment of realization for Emma. I mean, she should have realized it sooner as they explained it to her, but it's hard when you've been holding on to this anger and you didn't believe in fairy tales for 28 years <laughs> um, to come to this point where, oh, you didn't just give me up. You gave up everything for me and for everyone. Because uh, I think she was seeing it before as you gave up you gave up me to save everyone, which is what they did. But it's they true. also gave up everything for themselves. Like, they wanted her. And I, I think it was seeing it that was really p- powerful for Emma. Because it's hard for her to understand what it would be like to give up a child. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said, but I think it's just a very big blind spot of her. Blind, blind spot to be resentful when your own son doesn't resent you and you did the same thing. Yeah, no, I... It's always bothering me. Like, I get you being a little angry. The moment Henry came into your life and basically forgave you, you should have worked on letting that shit go. Because he never held that against you. And you gave him up. And you did the same thing. She did... She's she's had to deal with this for longer than Henry did. A lot longer. More than twice as long. Almost three times as long. Fair. Uh, So that's, that's something. I don't know, though, that, like... That changes much. Like, whether I've been abandoned, quote-unquote, for 10 years or 25 years, I don't know that you could look at me and be like, well, I was abandoned for 15 longer years, so your pain is less, is like, bullshit. Like, it still hurts. Like, once you feel like you want to know why your mother gave you up, I think you're probably sitting in the same boat. Like, No, you're right. It's kind of like when you complain about something to someone and then they say, at least it's not cancer. And you're like, well, at least everything isn't cancer. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But, like, that doesn't change the fact that my back really hurts. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, it's that. And I'm not trying to invalidate Emma's pain because I think it's valid. It's just more so it seems she just seems unreasonably angry mm-hmm. and has no lack or no ability to forgive them in the same way that Henry, who is 10, seems to have more emotional maturity than she does. I think she lets go of her anger in this episode, though. Finally. It's, it took a long time, sort of. <laughs> I, I mean, it's... She hasn't had a ton of time to process it's that. It's been like real. two weeks, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I think the other piece is, I'm not used to someone putting me first. That was a really big... And then she does the same for Henry, and Mary Margaret recognizes it, burning the wardrobe, which was a bold choice. But also, she finally trusted what Snow was saying, like, Cora is scary as shit. You cannot let this monster get back. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it means that your son may have to grow up without his mother, sometimes you have to make a decision that Mm -hmm. you don't want to make. Exactly. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I actually like the line after going back a little bit when Snow kills the ogre and then kind of lectures and next time just listen to me. Mm-hmm. Like this is my world. You you just kind of need to listen. The same way that she wishes Henry would just sometimes shut up and listen to her. Like she wishes Henry would get on the school bus instead of running away from the school bus. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, obviously, if you were going to do that, you would just watch him and not just trust that he's going to do what you would say. It's amazing that he fools I think five different people in the same way. Snow, Charming, Emma, David, and uh, Regina. Yep. He tricks them all. Yep. The 10-year-old. He's 10. Anything else on the Enchanted Forest of the present? Uh, did we, we talked about the sand. Did we talk about it glowing? You did talk okay. about it glowing. I yeah. was curious, was it the same glow that Rumpel was able to achieve when he hmm. put the hair together and they kind of intertwined? It might be. I just took that to mean that it it still works. I think that that's what they wanted us to see because it was it was a wardrobe that burned, and I think Emma and Snow were like, "Well, this doesn't work now," and they wanted us as the viewers to know it still works. Fair enough. The last thing I'll say about uh, oh no, and the Enchanted Forest of the present, nothing. I do have one last thing to say about the Enchanted Forest. I of the have past. several things to say about the Enchanted Forest of the past. I'll go quickly then. We get to hear a day's journey at oh, most. Oh, a day's journey at most. First One of time. my favorite. Yeah. It's, it's great. 
about about a uh, what do we say a horse's right away a day's right away days right away yep a day's journey does seem to imply a slower speed though well they're also traveling with a cart yes okay go ahead uh, I want to, so I alluded to this earlier, but the conversation between Snow and Ruth, uh, where she's showing her the medallion, so painful to watch, especially considering some of the things that women struggle with, with fertility and how people just constantly talk to you about having babies and Snow's just like really struggling to make it through this conversation. And then of course, as she is Snow, she is completely honest with his mother. Uh, Again though, and we've had this conversation previously. It was a very normal conversation to have in these times. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like I know like now I do think it's very inappropriate to be like, when are you going to be giving me a grandbaby? But in the era, the era of kings and queens and princes and heirs, those are logical things. I also don't, it, it wasn't that she said like, when am I getting a grandkid? She just said, this is what he's always wanted. I was more or less referencing like what yeah. women struggle with now where people seem to believe that that is your only purpose. Right. Um... Really sad to see Snow without hope. She just kind of has lost hope that they're going to be able to fix this. She regains it during this episode. Uh, the When they go to Lake Nostos, love that Lake Nostos set is basically just like some old quarry in British Columbia. That <laughs> <laughs> Like, where can we film an empty lake? This looks good. It looks completely different than the last time that Charming went there. Yeah, last time it was a nice, beautiful lake. There was a beautiful siren. A lot of dead people. Well, not just that, but also the surrounding yeah. wooded area was very different. It was lush. It was like the... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the curse that George placed on Snow, for some reason, can't be broken by True Love's Kiss. <laughs> don't, don't, don't know why. Yeah, I... I am unclear as to what the powers of Churlo's kiss can do. I'm also, un yeah, it, that seems to be almost inconsistent writing there, but, you know. Yep. Uh, the the other thing, I have a couple other things, but they'll come up when we talk about our favorite moments, so I'll hold that. Um, but Lancelot is monotheistic. He says God, which I think is very interesting. Oh. So they pay attention to that shit. But then they forget about true love's kiss and all that. Uh, it's also possible that they don't pay attention to that and we're just noticing that. That's that's possible. It, yeah. I, I have not I have not paid attention to that throughout the entire show to notice if it is consistent. Uh, but, you know, they're pulling in a knight who does, from lore, believes in a Christian god. So, very interesting. When the Knights of the Round Table did believe in that. Yes, like that, was, that was the whole, the Holy Grail was all about that. Yeah, so that makes sense that he yeah. would believe in that, even if the other characters necessarily don't. Absolutely. Anything else you want to talk about before we dive into favorite moment? No, I think I'm good. I had to think about that, but I, I think we've covered pretty much everything. All right, what's your favorite moment? Um... There's a moment where Ruth, which I think is the first time we learned her name. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think before she was just previously Charming's mom. Yeah. Talks to Snow about it's what parents do. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Just, it's a, that is why she's a good parent. And and it's also a really good tie to what's going on in, in the Enchanted Force yep. of the Presence. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I agree. That's a good line. Mine is a funny one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> when... Snow is trying to tell Charming that she can't have children. And then the medallion starts to move. And she says, we're going to have a child. And he, like, freaks out. And he's like, what? Do you have something to tell me? Is there which, something I need to know? Is there something I need to know? Which I think is funny for multiple reasons. I mean, it's it was a very heartwarming moment. She finally realized the curse was broken. Uh, but also, <laughs> I love the idea that they've been having sex. They don't say it specific explicitly, but uh, we can allude to that. Uh, so, you know. Well, if you know where babies come from. It's true. does seem to imply that they were doing something. Because I feel like if we were, if they weren't sleeping together, he would be like, uh, how is that possible? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, these, these fairy tales are a little different than, than we thought. Most ridiculous moment? I wonder if ours is the same. Am I in the Enchanted Forest? No. Okay. But that's just the whole thing. That's your most ridiculous moment. Emma's arrogance in the Enchanted Forest. Reasonable. Just, she's she's reckless. She's stupid. 
uh, it's what's that line that Granny hits Snow with? You reckless, stupid, irresponsible little girl. Uh-huh. I feel like I just want to hit Emma with that the entire episode. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, how about you let Snow White, one of the badasses of the kingdom, run the show, and you just step back and be a supporting player here? Reasonable. Uh, mine is that David doesn't watch Henry get on the bus. <laughs> just how can this keep happening? Do you think what? I've always wondered at some level, did they want Henry to intervene, but they know they shouldn't be asking a 10-year-old for help? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but if they wanted him to intervene, they should just let him intervene so he doesn't do crazy shit and he can just help them normally. Yeah, but like, you can consciously know that I shouldn't be asking a 10-year-old for help. But then like subconsciously, this is the 10-year-old. Like he said in the, one of the previous episodes, this whole curse was broken because of me. Yeah. No, that's true. You're a loser. I hate to say it, because she's not in the episode very long, but I think Regina lost this episode. Oh, I'm shocked. What Henry did to her was ice no, cold. No, agreed. And also her mother's trying to get back to her. Like, this is just bad. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know that this is, like, the worst loss she's ever taken, but, and she's been deceived by a lot of people, but, like, to be... Told by the town you have to leave, which she knew was coming, but it's very different. Like, you see the hurt in her face when she's packing up to go. To think for a moment that your son actually wanted to spend time with you, and then it turns out that he was just deceiving you. And then you had to call David because you know that he actually didn't want to see you anyway. That's pretty painful. Like, I kind of got to put Regina in there as a loser. If it wasn't Regina, Emma was going to take this. Oh, yeah, I have Emma. I'm shocked that you don't. Although, bonus points for Emma for finally facing her feelings about her parents and letting go of her anger. Emma's my runner-up loser. Okay. Your winner? I'm having a hard time with that, but I think I know who I want to pick. So go ahead. I have Mary Margaret slash Snow uh, for oh, being a total badass in the present Enchanted Forest. She kills an ogre. She absolutely knows what she's doing. She figures out who Cora, what's going on with Cora. And in the past, she gets cursed and breaks it all in one episode. She, 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 she breaks it? Or it's broken for it's her? It's broken for her. Um, okay, that's fair. I think my winner is charming, despite taking one of the more painful losses of this episode. Mm, okay. Um, A, also a total badass. Like, he's outnumbered six to one, and... He flips that guy over, breaks his neck. It's handles amazing. them quite easily. In Storybrooke, he's basically getting to be a father for the first time, which he's never really gotten to do, so that's pretty Gra- fun Grandfather. <laughs> but he's, he's being yeah, Henry's right. Yeah, he's a grandfather, but he's also old enough, literally, to yeah. be his father. And, you know, he does get married to, um... Snow in front of his mother, whose last wishes is to see that his son get mar- her son get married. So I'm going to give him the win in this one. Though I think Mary Margaret is like one B for me as well because all of the same reasons. I think the one thing that hesitated for Mary Margaret is that while she knew Emma held resentment, it's another thing to hear it and to hear your child basically tell you, "I've been angry at you for so long," has got to sting. Yeah. Like, and and honestly, the the last scene that we see from them where she looks into the nursery and it's destroyed and but you see what she remembers and she's crying which excellent job of emoting there like i even said i can't stand jennifer morrison's wooden acting at times mary margaret didn't say a word and yet you felt exactly how much pain she was in it was fantastic it was very good speaking of that i cried three times in this episode as i said once when ruth dies it's just really sad they finish their beautiful wedding and then look over and she's dead when Snow realizes the curse is broken on her, that she's no longer unable to have children, that look on her face of just complete joy and hope is so beautiful. And when Emma says, you gave up everything for me, it just really gets me. That Basically that entire conversation from when she says that to when Snow walks away out of the room crying. And I cried when and when David's mother died. You did? I told you you were going to be shocked. Oh! <clears throat> wow. I think... If I was getting married and my mother had died, that would suck. Yeah. Like, I could not imagine that scenario of like, oh, this is the happiest moment of my life. This is now the saddest moment of my yeah. life. Yeah. Like that immediate flip, I was like, that's that's tough. And while you knew it was her wishes, that still had to sting. Like, yeah. I just don't know that you can get it. And that's really like, at that point, that's the last family he's got. Yeah. I mean, well, he doesn't... Snow is his family now. Sure. But like, it's very different. Like, his brother had been taken from him yeah. and killed. His father had long since been dead or missing or we don't really even know. And now his mother, who has raised him, like, that's... There's a sense of, like, a loneliness that he's probably feeling for the first time. Yeah. Even though, like, he was willing to walk away, she was never dead. Now she's gone, gone. Agreed. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so next week we're going to watch Season 2, Episode 4, The Crocodile. What are you looking forward to next week or in the future? This is another one of those episodes in which probably going to be top five episode for me. Though, as I'm thinking about it, I think I have issues with the episode, so I think it's top ten for me. Okay. But this is the episode in which I believe Hook arrives. Mm -hmm. This is also the episode in which um, Rumpel's wife arrives. Well, we've seen her before. No, we haven't. We have never met Rumpel's wife. This is the episode in which she arrives. No, we meet her in the episode where he... um, Talks to the future lady. Which has not happened yet. We have not met the seer. We haven't met the seer? Mm -mm. The episode where he finds out the boy will be your undoing. Oh. That's closer to the end of the season because that ties into Okay, yeah, you're right. Wow. I haven't even watched that one recently and I thought we already watched it. Usually the problem is that I've watched like two or three episodes ahead of what we're talking about, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this, this is, so Skin Deep is the preeminent like Rumpelstiltskin episode this is the one that I like because it explains kind of my philosophy on why I think revenge is quite justified in many cases in this episode and Hmm. I think in fact his biggest mistake is not taking revenge in a much more um, deliberate fashion that would have solved so many of his problems that he's going to run into later in the season okay so it's a good episode and you will absolutely hear me cheer when he takes out someone in that next episode (laughs) On my Mount Rushmore of people I hate, and like the villains, she's at the top. Okay. I'm excited for the episode, too. We didn't see any Rumpelstiltskin in this episode, so <laughs> pumped for a Rumpelstiltskin-focused Is episode. Is he even referenced? No. No, he's not. Hmm. Uh, just some threads that I'm excited to see. What the hell is Cora going to do with those ashes? <laughs> How on earth are Emma and Mary Margaret going to get home now? And what is Spencer slash King George going to do in Storybrooke? Any any burning questions for you? I, I mean, I think those are the questions. Like, I just want to know what's going to happen there. I, I, I just really want to know how Snow and Emma are going to get home. You know what my burning question is? What? Who is that man from the cold open that we have never seen again? Oh, yeah. Well, we're only on episode three, so... Yeah, but it's just... It is (laughs) odd to me to have someone who you featured at the beginning of the season, right? Like, the first thing that we saw after the curse was broken was this random man getting a postcard and getting a pretty long cold open, and then they have never touched on him again. I think we're going to get it in episode six. Okay. And I'm sorry, we just watched episode four. No, no, this episode three. We're talking right, about episode right, four. Right, right. Yeah, so uh, that is my number one burning question. Much like the spot of gardening was my question, who the hell is that man? That's it. That's my one burning question. The rest, I agree with you on your questions. It's just I feel like we're gonna get those answered. I'm still waiting on who is this person and why is he relevant? Because you showed him to me. That's true. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us this, this week, and be sure to join us next week when we watch season two, episode four, the crocodile. See you next time.